0: Mark chapter 4, notice verses 1 and following. I use this as an introduction to our study of Matthew 13 here this morning as we continue our journey through the harmony of the Gospels. It says here in Mark chapter 4, verse 1, "...and began uh, began again to teach by the uh, seaside, I should say. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. He taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine... Hearken, behold, there went a sower to sow. And notice, it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, and there it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, notice, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and choked it, and it yielded no fruit." Another fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100. It says, and he said unto them, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked of him the parable. Notice that statement. This is a little bit of clarification of what Matthew 13 says. It says, when he was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked of him the parable. So it wasn't just the 12 that were asking. Notice others about them as well. It says in verse 11 And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understanding, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? Notice, how then shall you know all parables? I want to mention this here. Notice, th- this parable is a key to understanding the other parables, especially the parables of the kingdom. The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown, notice, and when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, and taketh away the word that is sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground. "...who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward, notice when affliction or persecution ariseth the, uh, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, which, uh, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and notice the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful." And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Also, I want you to notice Matthew chapter 13. I decided to use both these passages here this morning, since this is a harmony of the Gospels that we're going through. I think pretty much this last year we've been working through this. But Matthew chapter 13 gives us the context in which he's telling these parables. Sometimes these are called parables of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Notice it says in Matthew 13, verse 1, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. So first of all, you notice here the statement, the same day went Jesus out of the house. The same day. What day? Just to give us a little bit of context here, notice Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 and following. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and notice he healed healed him, I should say, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. I want you to think about this this statement that they just made there. By Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Remember when we, uh, in our study of uh, 2 Kings, we talked about Beelzebub? Remember, uh, the king of Israel went sent messengers to unto, uh, Beelzebub, the, the prophets of Beelzebub, the god of the flies. How blasphemous for these religious leaders in particular to say of Jesus, he's casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. He's printing out the power of the god of the flies. Now, to, to show them this should have showed them anyway, to show them that he is more than just some man. Jesus knew their thoughts. I don't know your thoughts here today. Your actions can kind of tell me whether or not you're you're really wanting to hear today or whatever, but, but here's the reality of this. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And as they're thinking these thoughts, notice he says unto them, wait a minute, how'd you know this? I didn't say anything, Jesus. How'd you know what I was thinking? That proves he's the Son of God. And again, as I say so often, Jesus Christ did not set aside his divine attributes when he came to this earth. His divine attributes were veiled by his human flesh. But the reality is, if he had set aside any of his divine attributes, he would have ceased being God, and that's not possible. Notice again, he knew their thoughts and and, in answer to their thoughts, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Notice, every city or house. Pay attention to that word there. I'm going to give an application of, of Matthew 13:1 in a moment. Divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? You're not, you're not accusing them of casting them out by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Now it's in this context, he talks about the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Verse 31. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto them. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him neither uh, in this world nor in the world to come. In fact, I believe this is very similar to what Hebrews talks about, doing uh, despite unto the Spirit of God. Doing despite. And I want you to consider that at this point, they are refusing to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's part of the reason why Jesus says that, that this sin cannot be forgiven. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who reproves men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Literally, I believe what happens is, they, they get to a point where they cross a line where they are not going to be able to, uh, to uh, believe, as even as we'll see explained in, in uh, Matthew 13. So again, this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Notice their mouth revealed what was in their hearts. They had a heart of unbelief, a stubborn refusal to believe in Messiah that, has, that, that was prophesied clear back in Daniel 9 and other passages. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word, every casual word, every word that's given without thought, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. If this does not cause us to check our mouth... I have to remind myself every once in a while of this. An idle word that's spoken without thinking first. Those things are going to be brought before the Lord in, in judgment. He's going to judge the things that we say. For by the wor- thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I want you to consider in this passage here, we're seeing that uh, they, are, they are refusing to believe in the Lord Jesus. They're actually accusing Jesus of, of casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils, now notice verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. As you think about the wickedness of, of these, these people's hearts, he's shown them all kinds of miraculous signs, yet they stubbornly refuse to believe. But he, says, he answers and says unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. By the way, pause there just a moment. A whale is not a mammal in our our ancestry. A whale is a great fish. You compare the Old Testament with this. It is a great fish. It was created on day five, not day six. Evolution does not know what they're talking about. Because there are similarities, does not mean it's our ancestor. We we do not have a common ancestor. We have a common creator. Anyway, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The, The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation, judging the generation that Jesus is addressing. This is the generation, for the most part, rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah. Notice, and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Then he talks about an unclean spirit that is gone out of a man. Notice, the spirit walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. I want to point out here that an unclean spirit, a demonic, a devilish spirit, will look for someone to possess or something. Then he saith, I will return into mine house. Notice, again, house. I want you to pay attention to that. I will return into my house from which I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. It's only decorated, but it's still empty. It's vacant. It's cleaned up, but there's nothing that is filling. It's nothing taking the place of this, this devil that's gone out of him. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. Notice dwell there, speaking of permanence. The last day of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. Now I asked you to pay attention to the word house as we went through that passage. Notice again chapter 13 verse 1. I want you to notice here it says when Je- that, that same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. There's a transition that's taking place in the, in the ministry of Jesus in relation to Israel. In particular Judah, the southern kingdom. Judea, uh, as far as the New Testament. Literally, because they're rejecting the Lord Jesus and his ministry as Messiah, they they are becoming hardened to the gospel. All right, so think about that statement. Not only that, but they are also, they're they're stubborn, they they are set in their unbelief. They're going to refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. And with that said, notice the the warning that Jesus gives in relation to this, this unclean spirit that goes out, But notice he says, I will return unto my house from whence I came out. There are many who teach that in this context, and I believe it's a very real application, that this is picturing when Jesus goes out of the house that he's sitting in, teaching at this point. Literally, he, he is going out at a point where he's starting to reject national Israel. This is very important to notice this in relation to our study of Romans chapter 11. He's going out of the house. Israel as a nation is going to say, we don't, we don't want this man to reign over us. They're going to reject Jesus Christ. So literally the house pictures Israel here. But I also want you to notice here as far as in the immediate context, verses 46 through 50. So th- this shows us he was in a house at the first. He was speaking in this house and then he goes out of the house. And that's when he goes to the seaside as we see, uh, saw in the book of Mark. Verse 46, while he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. Now, verse 47 is removed from some of the modern Bibles. Uh, The the two I have mentioned here written in my Bible, the Revised Standard Version, the NRSV. So is is it a shock that the NRSV is what most of the liberal churches use? Notice, thy mother and thy brethren. I want to to remind you that his earthly brethren, his half-brothers, we would say, are at this point unbelievers. They they do not see that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. If nothing else, they're, they're kind of irritated because Jesus was always the perfect child and got them into trouble because he was perfect. They weren't. They refuse to believe. Now, I don't understand totally why his brethren and his mother are standing without desiring to speak with him. I believe it's very possible that his unbelieving brethren are influencing his mother at this point. Because remember, Mary pondered all these things when Jesus was, was, as far as the angel and all those things. So she, she knows who Jesus Christ is. But he answered and said unto him that told him, who is my mother and who are my brethren? Notice he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. We're, we're, believers are the family of God. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. I want you, want you to notice here, whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven. What is God's, God the Father's will? That you repent of your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first steps of God the Father's will. Let me ask you, if, if people could be saved any other way, then why did God the Father send His Son to this earth? When God the Father sent Jesus Christ to this earth, there was a will of God attached with that coming, that sending to this earth. With that said, that's the context of chapter 13. Notice the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. This is almost like uh, some, of the, um, some of the preachers in the 1700s and 1800s when uh, they were no longer welcomed in the churches that they had been a part of because their message was not acceptable. And so literally, they would go outside. In fact, sometimes they would go out to the cemetery and have a preaching meeting. And literally thousands of people, in fact, more people that could ever fit in those church buildings, end up following and going to hear these preachers. Sometimes some of these preachers would preach twice a day. Sometimes very early in the morning before people would go off to work. I believe that's the context, the kind of thing that's taking place here with Jesus. Notice he's going out of the house and notice now he's sitting by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him. So that he went into a ship and sat and noticed the whole multitude stood on the shore. They're standing on the shore listening to what Jesus had to say. Because of the multitude, probably because of the acoustics, as you think about, you know, his voice would carry over, over, the, over the water there. So he, he didn't have a PA system. You didn't have loudspeakers, you know, huge speakers, you know, amplified speakers and everything. He, he, he didn't have those things. So he's, he's using his creation to project his voice. I, I believe that's part of what's happening here. It says, he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went forth to sow. Now, I, just not too long ago, we talked about these parables. Uh, that message is online. But here's the common definition of a parable. And I'm going to tell you I no longer agree with this statement, at least totally. A parable is an earthly story with heavenly meaning. In other words, it's given to help people understand. We're going to see in Matthew 13, that's not why these parables are given. I want to remember, this is why we looked at the context. I wasn't going back there just to fill time in Matthew 12. There's a reason why we went back to Matthew 12. Those who refuse to believe in Jesus Christ are now no longer going to be able to believe in Jesus Christ because of what he's doing right here. Why? Because he's going to make sure that their blindness is judged. And can I point this out to those of you who are sitting here today? I don't know your heart. I don't... Judas fooled the other disciples. We've looked at that. I don't know your heart today. I cannot see whether or not you're believing in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection alone for salvation. You may be trusting in your baptism, you may be trusting in, in commandments, you may, may be trusting in a good person, all those things. You may be trusting in a prayer that you said in an altar in a Baptist church. That does not mean you're saved. Because until you believe in Jesus Christ and Him alone, guess what? You're still under the judgment, the condemnation of God. That's what Romans, uh, John chapter 3 says very clearly. So as we think about this, He's, he's teaching them in these parables so that those who believe will get more truth so that those who do not believe will be blinded. We're going to see that Jesus specifically says that. As far as this uh, sower, going forth to sow, verse 4. When he sowed, first of all, notice, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Second soil, in verse 5, some fell upon stony places. and When they had not much earth and forthwith, notice they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. Notice when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7. And some fell among thorns, the third type of soil. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell un- into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. You notice here when you compare gospel accounts, Mark 4, Luke 8 and everything, the order is sometimes reversed. Notice here it's hundred, sixty, thirty. Another one of the gospel is 30, 60, 100. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. That's the application for all who are hearing. I want you to notice here as we think about the context of why he's teaching this. Generally speaking, this is for all of us who sow the gospel and so on. But specifically as far as this time, Jesus has been sowing the word of God in Israel, Galilee, Judea. And I want you to notice what Jesus is saying with this. There are four types of responses to the word of God preached. The same thing is true today. As I preach the word of God, there's going to be one of four different responses to the message of God's word here today. I hope you have number four. I want to point out here that this is not four types of Christians. There are some who say, yeah, there's, there's some who, you know, they, they just don't ever accomplish it. Yeah, they, they pray, but that's not, it's not four types of Christians. I'm going to show you that as we go through this passage here. It's not four types of, of Christians, it's four types of soils, four types of hearts in response to the Word of God. In fact, according to verse 7, talking about here, uh, uh, the, um, some among, fell among thorns and the thorns uh, sprung up and choked them. By, by the way, you don't plant your garden with, with your, uh, have all kinds of weeds left over from last year. Right? You, you got to get, get rid of the weeds. So we say, oh, that's why my garden is produce more. No. Verse, verse 7, notice Jeremiah 4, 3 talks about breaking up your fallow ground. And so not among thorns. You've got to clean out the old weeds or otherwise they're going to choke what you planted there. Sometimes you, uh, want, if you want to have something different in a place, you've got to try to make sure you have all the stuff out that you maybe haven't come back that year too. So, so again, these four types of soils. Verse 10. The disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? So that they can understand, Jesus said. That's not what he says. Again, remember the context. They're asking for signs. They're refusing to believe. They're accusing Jesus of casting out by the power of the devil, Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Notice, why are you speaking unto them in parables? Here's the purpose of parables. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you, believers, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. I'll remind you, Mark 4 tells us it's not just the 12 disciples, but other disciples as well that were around them. So, so think about this. These are the ones who want to know more. These are the ones who want to understand. These are the ones who want the truth. Because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to show you some, a couple things here as far as the mysteries of the kingdom. It me uh, Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Now, when we think of a mystery, we think of a, a book called a Mystery, right? Um, you know, the plot thickens and you find out who, who really killed the, you know, killed the, the, the anyway. That, that's, a, that's a modern mystery. A biblical mystery is something totally different. A biblical mystery is simply this. It is a truth that God is revealing that had not been fully revealed before. Notice it says here in Romans 16, verse 25 through 27. Now, to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, notice there's our word, which was kept secret since the world began. As I said earlier, church is not plan B. This, this is, he, he's, he's explaining greater the mystery. Notice it was kept secret since the world began. This, the church was God's plan from the beginning. But now his notice made manifest By the scriptures of the prophets. Notice the Old Testament prophets even made these things known. According to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise we glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Another passage here, uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. There's uh, several passages that refer to the mystery. And Paul emphasizes that the Lord has called him to reveal this mystery. To show you know, this truth that uh, was not totally revealed in the Old Testament. Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Notice that. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled. That statement fits very well with what we're studying in Matthew 13. You're continuing in the faith, grounded and settled. You're not going off because you're offended, all those kinds of things. Notice, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which uh, ye have heard. And which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Notice, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ. Notice, in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister, (coughs) according to the dispensationalism of God. I'm sorry. The dispensation. I, I did not have a slip of the tongue. I did it on purpose. Dispensations are not periods of time. Notice, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The word dispensation speaks of a stewardship or an administration, not a period of time. Dispensationalism, based on this word, has literally taken a word that speaks of a stewardship and administration and made it a period of time. No, there are not seven periods of time divided up in scripture. It's a stewardship. Even notice the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Jesus Christ began uh, presenting this mystery, explaining this mystery, even in his earthly ministry. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Notice again, he's explaining this mystery, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. One other passage, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3 speaks of the mystery. Ephesians 3 verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. So again, he's in the context of presenting this Middle wall of partition broken down, chapter 2, verse 14. He's explaining how the Jews and Gentiles relate to one another in the church. If ye have heard of the dispensation, stewardship, dispensation of the grace of God, it's not the dispensation of grace. We're not living in the quote-unquote church age. You can't find that term church age that's found in the Bible. And that there's seven periods of time in the church age. The seven churches. No, no, those were seven liberal churches in Asia Minor. They pictured the different types of churches that are throughout the you know the, the two thousand years of history that we're, we're in right now. If you've heard the dispensation of the grace of God, notice which is given me to you, word. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Notice the emphasis on this mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, but, is, but it is now revealed unto his holy uh, apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That's why he was teaching his 12 disciples and apostles back in Matthew chapter 13, these mysteries, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, notice that, partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. I want to point out here this fellowship of the mystery. Here's why we have fellowship as, as common as believers. Because we all believe the same mystery. We've all placed our faith in the same uh, same, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we go back to Matthew 13, notice again what he says there. It's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. There are a lot of people who will not understand truth of the word of, of God, of Scripture. Notice it's the kingdom of heaven, not an earthly kingdom. Verse 12, for whosoever hath to him shall be given... Verse 12, Matthew 13, Whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. Again, I want to point out here, the end of verse 11, as we look at this context, the purpose is to conceal, not to reveal, as far as an unbeliever is concerned. Because you notice again, he's given a warning here Whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. So the one who believes in Jesus Christ wants to understand Scripture. Notice they're going to have more understanding of Scripture. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Notice the truth is going to be taken away from them so that they cannot believe. Light obeyed increases light. When somebody understands that there's a a God who created all things, When, when somebody starts believing that there's a creator God, guess what? God's going to give them more light. He's going to give them more, more knowledge of the truth and so on. Also in relation to, to conscience, the conscience is given as a witness, as a testimony, an inter, inter, even somebody who has not had the word of God. The conscience is given as, a, as, a, as a, an example and an understanding that there is a God who convicts us. In fact, I believe the Holy Spirit uses the conscience as he uses the word of God and the truth. But notice again the statement here. Whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Light disobeyed decreases light and increases darkness. Why, why is it that somebody who has heard the gospel, he's had, you know, they've had an opportunity to believe, and you try to present the gospel to them once again, it's just like, I, I just don't see it. I just, the more they push away, the more they push away, the, more, the less they're going to have an opportunity to be able to see and understand the truth. I believe this is related to uh, what 2 Thessalonians uh, 2 and, and uh, Isaiah 66 talks about, that the Lord will send strong delusion for those who do not love the truth. You can talk to, you're blue in the face, you can give them eloquent presentations of the truth. Guess what? If they don't have a love of the truth, there's going to be a strong delusion. They cannot, so they will believe the lies. That's exactly where the nation of Israel is at this point of, of the Lord's ministry. Verse 13, therefore speak I to them in parables. Notice the contrast here. Verse 11, you, you, you. He says, therefore I speak to them in parables. You who are listening, who want the truth, they, them that are outside. Notice I speak to them in parables because they seeing, see not. You think about all these religious leaders. They saw the miracles. They saw Probably hundreds of miracles. And yet they're still asking for another sign. What sign? Who gave you this authority, Jesus? Give us proof for your, for your authority. They seeing, they don't see it. And notice hearing, they hear not. Oh, they heard Jesus speak. Just like many people will hear the gospel over and over and over again. In a church, they're attending and they Go from a Baptist church all the way to hell. Just because you're in a Baptist church doesn't mean you're going to heaven. And notice also, neither do they understand. In fact, Jesus even says to, to um, the uh, religious leaders in John 8, you, you cannot understand because of their unbelief. Verse 14, And them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith by hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. Notice, for this people's heart is waxed gross. And their ears are dull of hearing. Sounds like Hebrews 5.11. And their eyes have they closed. I don't want to see it. I know, I know, I just saw that miracle. I know, I don't want to see it. They refused, refused to even look at the evidence of Jesus Christ being the Messiah. They had, they're not in heaven today, by the way, just because they're part of God's chosen nation. They have closed their eyes, they refuse to see. They don't want to hear. Thus at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. The Lord wanted to. That's, that's what the Bible says. He's, out, he's got stretched out arms. He wanted them to come, but they refused. We will not have this man to reign over us. John 12, Acts 28. So many different places in Scripture. Notice to me, Psalm 81. Psalm 81. This is not a new thing in the gospel accounts. All through the Old Testament, generation after generation of Israelites rejected their Lord. Uh, Psalm 81, verse 10. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice. This is the elect nation of Israel. And Israel would none of me. Notice the spirit of rebellion there. So I gave them up. Notice This is like, sounds like Romans 1. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Literally, that's what's taking place here in the gospel accounts. As, as we've studied the harmony of the gospels, Jesus is literally giving up those, giving them over to their unbelief to the point where they will not be able to. And literally, when, when Jesus Christ is on trial, that's why they will crawl out, call, call out, Release Barabbas! Crucify Jesus! Crucify him! Crucify him! Why? Because they had such a hardened heart of unbelief. They could not see the truth of their own Messiah. Even though their Old Testament scriptures were filled with evidence that the time had come. But notice the blessing here in verse 16. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Notice, you believe, they do not. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them. They prophesied them, but they never saw the fulfillment of them because it was for future Uh, future dates. Notice that to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. So he's going to give an explanation. And I'll remind you again, Jesus said very clearly that this parable was the key to understanding all of the parables of the kingdom of heaven. In fact, this is the key to understanding all of Matthew 13 in particular. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, the word of God, the word of the kingdom, Kingdom of heaven. Again, those are the terms that are used here. And understandeth it not. Then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which is sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. First of all, you might have a hardened heart in relation to this, this type of soil, this type of heart. But I want you to notice a key to why this takes place they do not understand. Here's here's another opportunity to remind you. I am not a fan at all. And I've told you over and over and over again. One, two, three, repeat this prayer after me is not a good plan. Because how do you know if they understand? Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23. How do you know if they understand? We're automatically assuming right from the start that they believe that there is a God, the God of the Bible. Remember, they've gone to public school, many of them, most of them. They've gone to public school. They've been told that we evolved you know, over millions of years ago, billions and trillions of years ago. There is no God, they say. So we, Romans 3, 23. Uh, I don't believe there is a God. Oh, Romans 3, No, I don't believe there is a God. Romans three twenty three. Find a different way to present the truth. <laughs> they may need to understand some things as far as the word of God. You might have to know about Creation. By the way, Paul more than once starts with creation like in Acts 17 and Romans 1. He started with creation before he presented the truth of the gospel. Notice, they understand it not. When they don't understand, notice the devil, the wicked one, is able to come in with false teaching and steal it away. Oh, the atheist sounds more convincing than the soul winner. So guess what? He's going to listen to the atheist... He's not going to listen to the soul winner. Because they did not have a convincing presentation of truth. They just had a memorized wrote wrote thing that they they repeated. Repeat this prayer after me. Notice the wicked one will come, and through false teaching or whatever, he'll catch away that which is sown in his heart. He's heard the word, but he doesn't understand it, and so the devil has an opportunity to steal it away. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, I've mentioned this so many times, but I believe this is a key what happens, and I believe this is what's happening in modern-day Christianity. People hear the Word of God, but it's not mixed with faith in them that hear it. That's what happens right here. They hear the Word preached. They hear the Word of God, the Word of the kingdom. But notice it says here, they understand it not, and so literally, with a hardened heart, they, they, they they don't want to believe what they hear. I think also of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. He, uh, the unsaved person can't understand. So we need to use the modern Bibles. We need to use a modern Bible so that, so that the unbelie- unsaved person can understand. You know, they just can't understand all the these and the thous. What foolishness? God himself said. The natural man cannot understand because they're spiritually discerned. So just because we corrupt the Bible, they're going to be able to understand? No, actually that's going to add to the fact that they're not going to believe because it's going to remove references to the blood of Jesus Christ and other things. I think also of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. must be 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Here's what takes place with this type of person who hears the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. So let's look at verses 1 and following. This is the context of the presentation of the gospel. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, notice, uh, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. As you think about applying the truth to their conscience, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I believe one of the ways we can do this is ask a question. Have you ever lied? As we're presenting the truth, use the law of God. The law of God teaches people that they need Jesus Christ. Right. Have you ever lied? Oh, yeah. It's just a little white lie. I mean, i oh. Whosoever loveth and make a lie, guess what? You're, in, you're on the way to hell already. Have you ever stolen anything? You know, you walk through the store and a piece of candy, oh. I got some candy. I don't have any money, so I got got my candy. Have you ever dishonored your parents? Have you ever coveted? All of us have violated the law. All of us are on our way to hell, commanding ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That's the first type of heart first type of soil, it's the one who does not understand and the devil takes away the seed. So there's no results, right? You notice there's no results. The birds come and they snatch away the seed. They're falling by the wayside. The seed can't get into the ground because it's all packed down because of people walking there, the side of the field. The second soil in uh, verse, uh, verse 20. But he that received the seed in stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and notice anon with joy. He's excited to hear that. Oh, wow, that, that's, that's interesting truth. Anon with joy, he receiveth it. He enjoys hearing the Bible. Notice he makes a profession without true conversion. Yet hath, he not, hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. And notice for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. They went out from us because they were not of us. <laughs> that's, that's the reality of it. If somebody has no desire to be with the people of God under the preaching of the word of God, guess what? We have to assume they're not a believer. Again, so we're talking about hearts here. Types of soil, hearts. Notice it says here, they have not rooted in himself. They continue for a while, but notice by and by he is offended. I think of uh, John chapter 6 where Jesus was uh, saying some things that were hard to grasp, hard, hard, to, hard to grasp, Hard to receive. Well, this is a hard saying. Who can receive it? It says many of his disciples, John chapter 6, verse 66, many of his disciples left him, did not follow him anymore. They went out from us because they were not of us. So I want to point out here that they were not a true believer because 1 John 2 very clearly says, they went out from us so that they could, it would be manifest and revealed that they were not all of us. Notice the third soil, verse 22. He also received seed among the thorns, mentioned back in verse 7. Notice they receive the seed amongst the thorns. Is he that heareth the word. All right, so he hears the word of God. But notice there's two things mentioned here. Mark has one that we saw earlier. First of all, the care of this world, and anxious cares, anxieties. Oh, have you seen the news lately? Yeah, I've seen the news. The Lord's telling me he's coming soon. The unsaved person does not see it that way. Oh, World War III. Oh, oh, no. All of these things that are going on. The cares of this world. How am I going to pay my bills? Oh, have you seen the inflation rates? Cares of this world. Notice the deceitfulness of riches. An opportunity to make more money. I I don't don't need God. I've got a good paying job right now. Okay. Fast forward back. Go back a little bit. Remember, the economy was good in America. And with one pandemic, it was all ripped out from under us. Just like that, everything changed. By the way, the one who's the father of the vaccine, he probably says he's the father of the vaccine, is the one who encouraged all that to take place. You know, the one trying to run for president again. When are we going to wake up? Anyway. The third thing that Mark 4.19 says, lust of other things entering in. Lust. Lust of the flesh. Notice all those things choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Notice, is there an initial fruit? It says he becometh unfruitful. I, I believe here ultimately it's talking about no lasting fruit. So even if there seems to be some fruit coming in that person who... Oh, they're excited about hearing the word of God, but all these other things choke the word. Oh, oh, they might see some fruit coming on, but guess what? Because the sun is scorching them, the things of this life are scorching them, their fruit dries up. You can't eat it. It doesn't matter if they have some initial fruit coming on, they're still unfruitful. There's still nothing to eat, put on the table. Notice the last one. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word. Notice the, the steps of the process here. Is he heareth the word. Right, so you have to hear the word of God. Romans 10 talks about that. We, we studied that here recently. And notice, understandeth it. So you have to hear it and understand what it means for me personally. Notice, which also beareth fruit. Third thing, notice, and bringeth forth some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. I think of James chapter 2 here with this passage. James 2 talks about works versus faith. Show me thy uh, faith by thy works. True faith will produce works. We're not talking about works in order to be saved. We're talking about a faith that will produce works. So if there's no fruit, there's no faith. Did you hear what I just said? If there's no fruit, if there's no evidence... Of the fruit of the Spirit in a person's life, as an example, there is no faith. As we close, notice First Peter chapter one. And as I say so often, we have to be careful, so careful, as we present the truth of the gospel that people understand. Make sure they understand the gospel. First Peter chapter one, as we close, verse twenty-two through twenty-five. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Notice the whole thing of obedience. Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, so that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. The people of God will demonstrate that they are the people of God with their love for one another. Notice verse 23 through 25. That's what I'll emphasize. Being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Notice the Word of God is the incorruptible seed. Can, can I pause there just a moment, though? I, I was just uh, asked here in an email recently whether or not somebody can be saved something other than the using the King James Bible. And I said, I, I just responded, you know, being saved means repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. But the reality is, the modern Bibles are corrupt seed. What I think is very interesting is a lot of the modern churches that are filled with unbelievers use a modern corruption of the Word of God. I am not saying it's impossible for somebody, it's based on how much truth they hear and understand. But the reality is the incorruptible seed is what, notice, liveth and abideth forever. Verse 24 For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. It's both inspired and preserved for all of eternity. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. I'm just going to say God's words have not been lost. There's corrupt Bibles out there. God's words have not been lost. But here's what I want to remind you of as we close with this passage. The seed that is sown in Matthew 13, sown by Jesus Christ in that context, sown by somebody who's preaching the gospel from a pulpit or wherever, as we meet people, hand out a card, whatever. But Here's the reality. The word of the Lord endureth forever. It is an uncorrupt seed. By the word of God, it's incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. I want to challenge each of us as believers in Christ today. To make sure we know this book thoroughly enough so that we have more than a verse here and there to show people so that they can understand. Jesus Himself said a key to somebody being saved is understanding. Okay, so do we make sure they understand? I mean, there's there's times when I'll visit with people, I'll present the truth and I'll ask them about the truth. I'll ask them what they believe. I want to make sure they understand. Do you understand today? There may be somebody here trusting in something other than what Jesus, Jesus said is on the cross. It is finished. Nothing else for the payment of sin. All we have to do is accept that by faith that Jesus Christ did that for me. If you're trusting in anything other than the the finished work of Jesus Christ, guess what? You're like one of the soils that heard, but didn't understand it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us examine our hearts here today, first and foremost. Holy Spirit of God, that you would have freedom. I I, have prayed this earlier, that you would have freedom in the hearts right now. Lord, is everyone here trusting in Jesus Christ alone? God the Father's will is not that somebody keeps the law. That's emphasized throughout so many of Paul's writings. God the Father's will is not doing good works in order to be saved and all those things, baptism, or whatever. Father, your will, thy will is that everyone would believe in the Son. Thy Son that Thou hast sent to die on a cross and to rise again for us. Holy Spirit of God, that the devil would not be able to snatch away the seed of the Word of God here even today. Oh, that nobody would walk out of this building today without truly trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. The Lord, again, as I've emphasized, that we as believers in Christ would be careful in how we present the truth, to be thorough, to show them Scripture, and make sure that they understand. I just thought of Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. Understandest thou what thou readest? Lord, that we would be ready to show the answers and point people to Jesus Christ. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.